Salmanan, we are here. It's the Konza Show, 9 to 10 every Wednesday morning. Good morning to you, Rory. Benjam. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming, right? Speak. Flip, man. <laughs> We've been in trouble. On Monday, I posted a picture. Uh, can I say that we posted a picture or I posted no, a picture? you posted a picture. I posted a picture about our show. Um, the heading was, were there any benefits to apartheid other than white wealth? I received a barrage of tweets uh, back saying how racist I was for even posing the question, for even thinking about this. Would you ever ask the same about the Holocaust? One uh, Twitter uh, person asked. The tweets kept coming in throughout the evening and uh, more racism slants were thrown at me. I always knew that this topic was going to be loaded. I always knew that this would be heavily debated. And on reflection, Raw, I believe the way in which the question was set up was slightly incorrect. The point we were trying to get across was, did apartheid leave us with anything worthwhile? What have we failed to improve since apartheid? And yet it came across in a way which it looked like we were actually being positive about trying to find the silver lining about apartheid. Well, this did something within me. It created a complete menace. I was completely railroaded um, because I think... It was a bit of an ego loss for me. I was seen as one of those ignorant white people who was so naive that he wouldn't, that he would dare to ask a question like this. Um, I think you've got to come clean when you've done something wrong, Raw. And I think that I would like to apologize if I offended anyone. Uh, when Rory and I set out to the, do this topic, it was never ever to try and justify apartheid. There is no justification for humana- humanitarian crime of this nature. There is no justification for the horrors that went on during this dark time. That was never our intention. But I think what is our intention is that South Africa needs more open and honest discussions. We need to build the narrative of South Africa together. And the only way that we can do this is if we ask tough questions and learn to listen a bit more. I've certainly learned that in my own life. I've certainly learned that through this experience, while I believe I'm a forward-thinking white South African who gets it, in inverted commas, I'm still so far from getting it. But what this experience has taught me more than ever is that I want to continue to strive to understand South Africa better, to be a part of the new South African narrative, no matter how difficult it is sometimes. And yeah, that's how we begin this show, really. So... Could look we just you. make a look point you. that you're, apolo- you're apologizing <laughs> on your own behalf, right? I'm you're not apologizing about, for me. I am. I am apologizing on my own behalf. And um, because you know, there's no nothing one knows to, what we're talking about here. We asked the question on Twitter, were there any benefits from apartheid? And you see that. So I have a problem with this apology of yours. Okay. I, I tell really. Me. So, so the first thing is <clears throat> we, we, we're a platform, right? That allows for these things to be discussed. We want to encourage critical thinking, right? So yes, we get backlash for, 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 for raising this question. So does that then mean that we have to apologize for having, for having what, I mean, what we do and what we try to do is to say, how do we allow, how do we create the space for uh, things that people are thinking uh, to, to emerge and to be discussed? Now, what you got was you got backlash and maybe it was because you, this came from a white guy or maybe it was, you know, I understand where people were coming from in the sense of you guys are looking for the silver lining in apartheid, but they're entitled to that view. Why then must you apologize? Mm. I don't understand. I still don't understand, Andrew Levy. Why are you apologizing? Is it because it, <laughs> is it because you, you didn't like the fact that some people didn't like what you had to say? Why, why are you apologizing? I think as, 
as a young South African and as a very outspoken South African, sometimes I'm going to get it wrong, right? What did we get wrong? What did you get wrong? Just uh, tell me. The thing I believe I got wrong is context. Because the truth of the matter is, Raw, if I had seen that tweet, and this was the difficulty, this was the hard stuff that I was dealing with. If I had seen that post that I had posted on someone else's Twitter platform, right? Some other white guy's Twitter platform, I would have personally lambasted them. And I wouldn't have given them the time of day. I would have just been like, that is a bull question. And I don't even know why you're asking it. The answer is obviously no. Let's move on. Is there it? are many things that you could have uh, discussed on your show. You've got this platform. Why did you have to go down this route? And so then you have to look at yourself and go, well, why did we post that? And I don't think it was to be controversial because um, a lot of people have gone, oh, these guys are just trolling. They want, they want, uh, they just want followers and so on. They just want people to listen. And I don't think it was that at all. I think what we're trying to do is get to the bottom of this. And I think, I think because we said the word benefit in the same line as the word apartheid, people thought that we were trying to, ju- or people thought I was trying to justify apartheid. And that was never our Do you have a problem with pe- what people think? Of course. W- were you yes. trying to justify apartheid? Absolutely not. So, so why do you care? Because it's really, for me, it's quite important about what, uh, what we need to get out of discussions like this. Look, man. and I don't want people to be sideswiped by uh, by by wording. Andrew Levy, even Clement Tau on 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 WeChat say, "No need to apologize, Andrew. We're young, and we need these tough questions." So here's the thing: <clears throat> you started this thing on on Twitter. Uh, people start jumping in at you, and then you're like, "Yo, dude, where are you? Backup! Call up, calling for backup, calling for backup." I see that this thing is getting messy. So let us figure <laughs> out where exactly we want to jump in at this situation. But I eventually jump in, right? And when I jumped in, I said, I said to these people that, that were attacking and so on, I asked a question. Okay, let's rephrase this question. Let's rephrase this question. So, uh, were things really better under apartheid? A critical examination of a myth that refuses to die, which is essentially what we're asking. That just doesn't make, that makes for a good thesis title. It doesn't make for a great <laughs> show title. But, but we have heard, New, on numerous occasions, we have heard people say that the education system under apartheid was much better. Mm. We see in Zimbabwe, post-colonial, right, what they did, they took the education system that they had, they reconfigured it for, for what they felt they needed, and right now Zimbabweans are regarded as some of the most educated people on the continent, even above South Africans. So is it a taboo for us to to, to, to examine and say, was there anything? I mean, did we, after... In 1994, did we go and burn down the union buildings and all of the buildings that were up? No, okay. Apartheid built these buildings. We took them over, right? So so there's infrastructure that was a result. It does not make apartheid right, and that is not what we said. But the issue is, were there any, was there anything that we could take that we could build on as opposed to just uh, a, a, a trashing, right? That's the first thing. The second thing, and the reason why... I was so so so. <clears throat> let's let's disclose. Let's disclose. Right, right at the beginning, I wasn't for this topic. Right, but then we jumped. I jumped on because we we're a team. We're jumping on to this thing. Let's do it. I have a problem with now withdrawing the statement because some people would not want us to have 
a critical discussion, a critical thinking around it. I think there's mm. a censorship of critical thinking in South Africa where people who get it, people who feel that they get it, expect everybody else to get it just because they get it. Why? You have, you have had your journey. You've arrived at the point where you get it. Why would you deny an Andrew or somebody else from walking that journey and getting it for themselves? Mm. Common sense is not common to everyone, as my mother says. So, <laughs> so allow the people to also find their common sense. But don't, don't shut down a discussion, right? Yes, if a person comes out and says, there were benefits to apartheid, then you can, you know, you, then you're confronting the issue. But when a person says, we're going to discuss whether there were any benefits, you're welcome to come on board and say, hell no. You know what? I would jump in as well and say there were, there were no benefits that were worth it. Mm. There were no benefits. The cost was too big. But allow, but then come on and say there was no benefits. Not even that the cost was too big. There were no benefits. Even if the cost was less, you know, okay, maybe two people died instead of just the whole system was mm. just so evil. There is nothing that could even say that uh, the cost was too big or that it was just, there was no benefit. But allow us to have that discussion. Right. So, so Rory, let's, uh, let's take that back quickly. Rephrase the question just like you did. Say it again so that that becomes where we, where we no, start. No, Why are we rephrasing the question? <laughs> Our show title is Were There Benefits to Apartheid? We are not rephrasing. Guy. He's a dictator. No, we can't back off. We've started this thing. Let's, let's interrogate it. Right, but I understand where you're coming from, Andrew. And, and this, uh, so so, just share with us. How did this make you feel? How do you feel right now? Or do you feel as confident uh, uh, getting into discussions around race after this? I think that one of the difficulties that came out of this entire discussion uh, and the backlash from Twitter was: I see myself as a forward-thinking South African. The work that I do, I feel like, is promoting a new, better South Africa. And so when this came about and people started who don't know me, and that's how Twitter is, it's completely anonymous, came at me as just this white face, this white name, and started attacking me like I'm just one of those other white people that are totally ignorant and live in complete um, oblivion to what is happening in this real country in South Africa. That hurt because I know that I'm not that person, but they don't. And now they perceive me to be like the other white, the other Andrew. And you've been called an idiot by people who don't know you. Why does this matter? Why does this particular instance matter? You've been it's called a good idiot, question. Called it's a good question, Raw. It's a very good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why this stings so much. Because I think, to be honest, in every white South African's mind, and I might be talking on my own behalf, it's a very difficult discussion to have. It's a very difficult space to be in. What is it to be white and be South African? And when you, when you discuss things that are sensitive, like, like we're discussing today, it becomes very difficult to say, I believe a certain thing. And now other people are seeing my skin and then thinking that I am something else. It's very difficult. Yeah. So, so the fact that it's difficult doesn't mean we have to shy away from it. And, and I think that is what, that is what I am, I'm opposed to. I'm mm. opposed to us. Apologize. I want you to, I mean, there are times when you need to apologize, but I want you to be sure about what you're apologizing for. And, and the fact that you would raise an issue that, that deserves attention, that deserves to be discussed. I don't see it as, as, as needing an apology. However, South Africans, white South Africans do have to confront this thing of, of what is a meaningful place for 
white South Africans in the new South Africa. You and I, when we were debriefing, I said, white South Africans also need to confront this issue of being part of the new South Africa, not on their own terms. Right? Yes. And, and, and having to let go of that thing that, yeah, you're welcome to be part of the new South Africa, but, but don't come on your own terms. If that's, because you don't know how to be part of a, a, a united South Africa. You have no idea who taught you. What has been taught to you is how to be part of a segregated South Africa in which you are uh, domineering. Mm. So, so, so it, it has to be putting aside this thing that, yeah, I'm only going to participate, but only on my terms to saying, I want to know more. I want to, I want to understand. Lead me. Help me to understand. Now, the responses that you got on Twitter didn't give you that. The responses on Twitter lambasted you and did not did not educate you. And that's the other problem I have. So, yes, you're saying, ah, you're a racist and so on. How has Andrew's mindset been changed by what by what Andrew, but by, by, by me coming back into you and just saying you're stupid, you're racist. What nonsense is this? Right. We have a responsibility, I believe, to 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 educate one another. We we it's like it's like when you start to live with somebody for the first time. You, you've got your own habits. I've got my own habits. We need to somehow get to a point where we learn, right? But if I just say you're a pig, get out of here. We'll never get to a point. You don't know why I'm calling you a pig. Mm. So, so this, this, this. I don't All know right. what it is. All this right. apologist thing that you, you're doing here. I, I think I, that I think that you're right because you don't want to step down from. Discussing and critically analyzing stuff. We need to have conversations in South Africa that are worthwhile having. I think what I'm trying to say is that I need to learn to listen more as just a, as just a person, a human. Mm. So that's my personality. Mm, mm. And on top of that, as a white South African, we often take the stance that, you know, let our conversation come first and mm. then, then let's hear everyone else's conversations. Mm. And, and I think, I think uh, people shouldn't get me wrong. Right, we there, there are things that have to be said across the color line, and that have to be gotten. So, so I'm not defending ignorant statements here. Uh, when people make ignorant statements, they must be confronted for their ignorance and and dealt with. Uh, what I have a problem with is when we raise an issue that we're going to discuss on a radio station, where you're welcome to come on and say what you have to say, and then and then and then when we get lambasted for you to want to back off. Mm. I, I don't think that, that when we get lambasted, let's get lambasted. That, that's, you know what? Maybe we're pioneers. And you know, sometimes pioneers are thought of as crazy. Sometimes they're thought of as heretics. Let us be heretics for Pete's sake. Allow us to be heretics. <laughs> All right, Rory. Okay. Oh, so just by the way, yes. one, one last thing. So you said you're, the, you're the, one of the white South Africans that's trying to get it. Yes. Right? So what you need to also recognize is that that's an occupational hazard of you trying to get it. Because assume there's a white South African somewhere who doesn't even bother to interact with black people. Mm. Doesn't, he's not going to offend black people. So he's just going to live his life. You're trying to get it, which means you are going to rub black people up the wrong way. And you must accept that you're going to rub people, black people up the wrong way, as black people rub you up the wrong way sometimes. <laughs> Accept it. But, it's an occupational hazard. But one must also accept when one is in the wrong. Of course, and right? you must learn. So I want you to tell me what you did wrong. Then I will say, fine, apologize. Tell me what you did wrong. <laughs> I think that what was done wrong was the way in which th no, this. What was? Who? Did, who? To tell me what you did wrong. What I did wrong was mm -hmm. phrase this incorrectly. I believe. 
because I think that what happened then was people were more focused on the ignorance of the statement rather than what we were trying to debate. And what we were trying to debate is actually quite important, and we will get onto that now. We've got some interesting guests coming. But I think the way in which it was phrased took apart from that. So we both phrased it. So that, that you can't take responsibility for on your own. We both allowed this phrasing to go out. You know what? It makes a good show title. People listened. People got onto it and so on. We could have phrased it, as I said, the thesis way. Who was going to listen to us? So, so well, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, hit us up on cliffcentral.com. We want to hear you. Uh, we chat as well as, uh, as well as Twitter at Rory Shabalala at Yebo underscore Levy. Um, as well as the new app, which is really cool. Hope you're listening awesome. on that as well. Uh, Veronica says, I honestly think that we must talk about this. Maybe the problem was phrasing. Uh, there's a difference between a statement and a question and people, they interpreted your question as a statement. Fair enough. Cindy says, make no apologies. Uh, you provide a platform, like you say, and stand by the fact that you are there to promote the discussion. I know not everyone can be like Gareth, but look, uh, look to your leader for guidance. Much love. <laughs> Our leader. Here we go. Our leader. Uh, oh, leader. <laughs> Our leader Gareth would have told people to air forth. That's, yeah, exactly. that's true. That's true. <laughs> and maybe I've, I've got a bit more heart. That's the problem. But um, let's get into this role. Mm. We were discussing this because a lot of people, you know, we were seeing on Facebook and Twitter, a lot of people saying, you know, oh, that thing, Bantu education was much better than the current education that a lot of young South Africans are getting right now. Mm. And that's, I think, where this started. Um, I think that's where we, we, we started to put the, f- the, the footprints and uh, the ideas down for a show like this. Mm. Let's talk about this education and the Bantu education versus current education and whether, whether there's any kind of validity in what, what people are saying. Uh, I categorically... Uh Oppose the view that Bantu education was, was better than the education that we've got now. Mm. Bantu education was designed to, to, to subjugate. So <clears throat> our, our current education system is, is not, is, is by no means perfect, is by no means even close to ideal at this stage. But I, 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 I would differ with anyone that would say the Bantu education system, uh, was, was better than the, than, and even my former boss, um, has 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 written in the media is said to have said these things, Dr. Mampela Rampela. She said that the Bantu education system was better than the current, or the apartheid education system was better than uh, the education system of today. I differ. I really think, um, you know, if you think about the fact that the Bantu education system was training black people to be hewers of water and carriers of wood, as as I think it's something like that, mm. um, you know. I am I'm a, I'm not I'm not a product of Bantu education. Right? So so and 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 it's a much it's a much bigger step than those that had Bantu education. I differ with that view, but I am willing to listen to somebody and unfortunately we couldn't get we couldn't get somebody from Zim, from Zimbabwe the the right type of person for Zimbabwe but we but they'll be coming onto the show soon just to explain to us I mean how they looked at this issue of education and decided that you know we are throwing I mean Zimbabwe is the, the poster child of just throwing out colonial tendencies, right? Yes. So we're throwing out colonial tendencies, but we're going to keep the things that we feel might add value, right? To us being competitive in the current society. Yes, the current society is not anything that we, ha- we, we have shaped, is not anything that we have uh, uh, allowed us or been part of shaping, but it is what it is. So how do we take what we've got 
how do we take what we we've got and 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 shape it into something beneficial uh for the future of our of our children and that's what we're seeing even you know as i said in in zimbabwe we're getting a lot of people i mean there's just a thing around zimbabweans are well educated now the question is the cost of that right was the cost of that if if would or would they not have had this education if, if colonialism not, wasn't yeah, there. So, yeah. so we, what we must be careful of assuming that is because of apartheid or it's because of colonialism that they got that. And that is the thing that we need to be careful of because who says that they were never going to arrive there on their own? Mm. We have some of the most famous uh, educators and uh, academics from, from this continent, and they were certainly before the time of, of colonialism. So I think there's a point there. We've got uh, an interesting man on the, the line at the moment. His name is Dave Stewart. If you've never heard of him, he is the spokesperson for the F.W. de Klerk Foundation. Raw, why the F.W. de Klerk Foundation? Why F.W. de Klerk? What, what do you want to speak about with this guy? Well, look, F.W. de Klerk uh, was, is a Nobel Prize winner, uh, for one. Secondly, he was the last president of apartheid South Africa, right? And it would be interesting as somebody who saw the transition from apartheid into democracy. Uh, what is their thinking? So there is this F.W. Declare Foundation and so on. Do they think there's anything that, 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 that could be salvaged or that, that, that could be retained, that could add value to the new South Africa? Or, or, or should we just erase that part of our lives completely? All right, uh, you can also hit us up on WeChat. We are available. We want to hear from you as well as Twitter uh, and Facebook at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy. Dave Stewart, thank you so much for joining us from Cape Town. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you doing? Very, very good. Thank you. Um, we're speaking about an, a, a quite a sensitive topic in, in people's minds. Um, were there any benefits that uh, that came out of apartheid now? Um you obviously are the spokesperson for the last apartheid president. Um, yeah, well, I'd like to correct you there yep. straight away. Calling F.W. de Klerk the last apartheid president is like calling Abraham Lincoln the last slavery president of the United States. The whole purpose of F.W. de Klerk's presidency was to get away from apartheid. So he was not the last apartheid president. He was the president who abolished apartheid. I, I get that, Dave, but uh, are you saying that that's an inaccurate statement or just a, a, a statement that's not palatable? I'm saying it's an, an, an inaccurate statement, that to characterize F.W. de Klerk as the last apartheid president, as I say, would be like characterizing Abraham Lincoln as the last slavery president of the United States. I, I Lincoln, Lincoln's main contribution was that he eliminated slavery, and F.W. de Klerk's uh, main contribution and the central purpose of his presidency was to eliminate apartheid and to establish the kind of non-racial democracy that we now have. I differ with that, but let, let, let's move on. I, I don't have a problem calling Abraham Lincoln the, the last, uh, slave, the last uh, slavery president, uh, as it were, uh, because that's what he was. He, he came into power as that, and yes, the, the fact that he ended it is good. And, well, and, I think and the same with people in the United States would categorize them that I, way. I, 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 and I'm it's important to, to do these things because we yeah. get into a sort of a mindset of mm. labeling this and that, and it's, it's a way of not actually thinking about things. Mm, so, so, so let's, let's talk about, uh, uh, F.W. Clerk as you would want to see him depicted as, as the, the president who ended, um, apartheid. Um, what would be your, your, your sense of, uh, 
uh, you probably spend a lot of time with him, but when he looks back um, at at that time and he looks back at uh, where we were post ninety four, uh, what is it that you you feel he would say should be carried over from pre ninety four into this post ninety four context that that is worth keeping and preserving? Well, there there were many elements that uh, that were effective. So there was an effective electricity supply process. Uh, there was quite an effective public service. Uh, there was uh, uh, an effective administration in many areas where there's not now an effective administration. So I think he would have liked to have seen many of these things continue. But there were many, many things from the past which we're very glad did not continue. And the main one is uh, the fact that we did not in the past have a constitution that protected the rights of all South African citizens. Dave, is it fair to say that uh, the, the public service and so on were effective when, when they were designed to cater for a, a small minority of the South African population? Is that, is that a fair comparison, do you think? Well, it's actually not, because, uh, you know, during the, the 70s and the 80s, the overwhelming proportion of public services went to non-white South Africans. 70% of all social services actually went to black, colored, and Indian South Africans. So the idea that, that the public services were only for whites is simply not true. Yeah, but I mean, come, Dave. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, are you trying to defend that? Are you trying to say that that non-white people had good services in apartheid? I mean, we all well, know that's, I think that's rubbish. That many of them will now say that they, that they they felt more secure in terms of policing. Yeah, in uh, terms of, of policing, many of them will say that the, the the houses built then were better than the houses built now. Many of them would say that the the medical treatment and care was better then than it is now. So, so this is not defending the past, but you made the statement that that all public services in the past were for whites. It's simply not true. So I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't say all public services. Mm-hmm. I simply said that uh, the, the 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 line shade that the better services were reserved to white people. Is that not true? In fact, that is true. The, the whites generally uh, enjoyed a higher level of services than than blacks did. But it's certainly not true that that uh, the majority of services went to whites. They didn't. Dave, in 2012, um, former President F.W. de Klerk went on CNN and he uh, caused quite a stir when he said he believed there was merit in the idea of different ethnic groups living apart. Is that no, simply just another way of saying no, apartheid? That, no, that's not what he said at all, actually. Uh, what he what he was asked was what motivated you when you were a young man, and just as you might get communists today who say, "Well, look, I was uh, I was swept up by the red flag and the idea of the uh, you know the liberation of the proletariat," he was swept up by ideas that you could create a commonwealth of states in South Africa, uh, which all South Africans would have a right to political self determination. It turned out to be nonsense, as he then said. But he said this is what motivated him at that time. So it was entirely incorrectly rep- uh, represented by the media. Dave, what would you? What is your response when you hear somebody saying things were better in apartheid uh, than they are today? What? What? What is your response or the, the response that F. W. Duclerc would say? 
I think it's nonsense. I think that uh, with all of the problems we have today, uh, this is an in- infinitely better place than it was in uh, the period before 1994. Uh, it is because before 1994, South African citizens did not enjoy full political and social rights. Uh, the fact that we have our constitution makes South Africa a much better place. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt or debate about that at all. Do, uh, Dave, do you feel that, so So, one of the things that we need to be careful of within this discussion is to assume that, for example, the things you mentioned around electricity supply and and um, public service and, and even what you say uh, is people feeling a lot safer under the policing system then, we need to be careful of not assuming that those things would not have uh, come about on their own if apartheid had not existed. Uh, do you feel that? Do you feel that any of those things would not have been would not have been put in place if apartheid uh, had not come into existence? Well, you know, it, it, it's all historical speculation. It's very difficult for us to say what would have happened uh, uh, if this had not happened, or if the other had not happened. Uh, it's it's quite impossible to speculate on that basis. Uh, so then going back to the things that you say were there and, and so on, which of those things do you do you feel should be taken forward into the, the new dispensation? And how do we, how do we uh, tailor them or reconfigure them for uh, a democratic, uh, consti- a constitutional democracy like South Africa? So taking them out of w- the context that they were used in and used for good within this context. I think that what we're not we're not looking for a way of going back to the past in any of these things. I think what we're looking for is a way of improving the present. So we need much greater probity in public administration. We need uh, we need to combat corruption. Uh, South Africa was a less corrupt place before 1994 than it is now. We must work toward a society. That is not corrupt, not because we want to go back to apartheid, but because we want to build a better South Africa. Some some would argue against the, the notion that South Africa was a less corrupt uh, environment. It was just an environment in which the media did, did not have as much freedom. And there, there weren't, <laughs> there weren't, there weren't yeah, as many checks and balances, effective checks and balances yeah, but as I there was are public, today. I, I was a public servant in the old dispensation. Uh, I was a director general in two government departments. Nobody ever even thought of giving me a bribe or offering me a bribe. They didn't even think about it. And the same was true, I think, of the vast majority of my colleagues. I'm not saying that there wasn't corruption, but it is certainly less endemic than uh, than it is now. And this is re- reflected in the annual surveys of Transparency International. It's uh, simply a fact, and it's something that all South Africans should address. Would you would you really uh, say that it's a fact because it wasn't it just wasn't reported more? Is w- w- do you differ with with the, with, with that view that it just well, I, I there wasn't the opportunity I, I, for it no, to be I to be reported? I do differ with that view, and the idea that the media wasn't free to report such things in the past is also nonsense. The vast majority of the newspapers were strongly anti-government. And they did report on corruption whenever they could. There were two ministers who went to jail because of corruption. And government did not put any restrictions to media doing what media needed to do? It did place restrictions, particularly during the state of emergency, on any 
reporting that could have affected the situation in the country at that time. But generally, the media reported quite freely on a whole array of uh, uh, issues where corruption was involved. And you must, well, you must remember that two ministers went to jail because of corruption. Dave, I, I differ. I really, I, I strongly, I strongly differ. No, no, no. It, it's not a so, 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 so. It's a fact that two ministers went to jail, but that yes. does not necessarily mean that there was less uh, corruption, and that certainly does not mean that yes, uh, the media was more free uh, in that time. People, journalists say, went. So wait a minute, Dave, 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 Dave. Give me a chance. Wait, come on, man. Come on. Mikasa, Mikasa, Mikasa. This is come on, Dave. Let me, let me, let me make this point, right? This is Mikasa. Let, let I me did make not it. say the media was more okay. free then. But I what you said, wasn't more free. But what you said, Dave, was that uh, the, the media had the freedom to, to report, right? Is that, it, am it I... certainly reported on corruption cases, yes. But, but journalists were taken to prison. Some were, some were taken to prison and some even died for the reporting that they did. I'm not saying that the media was free. I'm saying that they did report on corruption. I get it. So, so would you then? Would you then? Would you then say that because the media, the media was the media had some restrictions placed on it, it could not report on corruption as much as the media does today? I think I think that's probably true. I think that there was probably less reporting on corruption, but uh, I think that the statement that South Africa was a less corrupt society then, the administration was less corrupt, is objectively true. And you can go to any number of experts to look at it. You don't like the idea because it doesn't fit in with your preconception of the universe, but it is a fact. Dave, <laughs> you you were part of the government, as you said. I was a public servant, yes. A public servant. What, in your mind, would you like to apologize for? Look, I'd like to apologize for, uh, for so many of the, of the issues uh, that caused a humiliation to people. Uh, I'd like to apologize for the fact that black South Africans couldn't exercise a full range of uh, economic rights. There was, no, there was no excuse for that. I'd like to apologize for the fact that 16 million people were arrested for past laws. But I would not like to apologize for the fact that we had... Uh, uh, Quite a lot of people at that time working to get away from apartheid. And uh, the efforts that we took, finally, to move toward the uh, negotiations that started uh, from 1990 onwards, and uh, for the work that many, many of my colleagues did to help establish our new constitutional democracy. One of our main concerns, during that period, during the 80s, was how we could dismount this tiger of minority rule on which history had placed us. How we were, get, were we going to do that without being eaten? That was the main challenge. I, just just uh, to let viewers in that uh, or listeners in to the conversation, we are speaking to Dave Stewart. He is the spokesperson for for F.W. de Klerk Foundation. I'm actually the executive director of the F.W. de Klerk Foundation. There you go. Apologies, apologies. Thank you so much for putting that up. No problem. I I want to understand, uh, Ranjani Musamani in the Daily Maverick once wrote that 
President F.W.J. Clack has destroyed any chance of history being kind to him by censoring the TRC report, blocking out sections that referred to his culpability in the apartheid crimes. Do you not think that F.W.J. Clack did an injustice to South Africa, to himself, by not admitting, by not going the full hog on the TRC? No, in fact, uh, this was, these matters were all taken to court because uh, there was an agenda to nail anybody from the past. And the court invariably found in F.W. de Klerk's favor. It wasn't that this was just uh, uh, something that he pulled out of the hat or was trying to get away from. Uh, in, in his uh, biography of Archbishop Tutu, uh, one of the biographies, uh, Mr. Allen writes that it was embarrassing how the TRC tried to bend over backwards to find something that they could uh, blame on the clerk without success. So the, the TRC had an absolute agenda to nail anybody from the past, and it was quite, uh, quite disgraceful in many ways. So, Dave, coming back to this this topic, we've got a young audience, right? Uh, an audience that... Uh, is made up of young white South Africans who want to find uh, a place, a constructive place within the new dispensation and don't want to repeat the same mistakes that were made by the previous generation. You've got young black South Africans who are feeling betrayed, uh, not just by the new dispensation, but by those uh, amongst the white community who have not come to the party. What would your advice be to this generation about moving forward? Do they move forward and forget the past, or do they move forward and take lessons from the past? And if so, which lessons? Well, I think it's really, really important for us to study the past. I think it's really important for us to have a debate about the past because there's so many issues there that haven't really been opened. The moment the debate on the past is that anything before 1994 was unequivocally evil. Everybody involved in the old administration were sort of accolades of the devil. Everybody on the struggle side were wonderful guys, uh, you know, archangels and what have you. It's not true. That's not the way that, that history works. We really need to debate these questions. We really need to find out what actually happened. And to look at our history and all of its horrible complexity and all its injustice, it's not good enough just to stand back and say, well, those are the good guys and these are the bad guys. It doesn't work that way. So I would say that that's one thing. We need to engage with one another about the past. Another thing that we need to do is we need to find one another in the present. We, we need to concentrate on what our new society is all about and commit to the values in our Constitution. We really need to take these things seriously. Human dignity, the achievement of equality, the advancement of human rights and freedom, non-racialism, non-sexism. That's, these are the things that we we need to unite around as a new and young nation. There's a lot of people uh, following us on Twitter asking questions. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to get in touch. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. Uh, there's a there's a lot of discussions about Dave what you're saying. Uh, a lot of people talking about the TRC and just saying that. Uh, your views are incorrect uh, <laughs> in no, in no uncertain terms. Um, of course they'd think that, but if you look at the objective facts, it's not. The TRC was a wonderful opportunity that we missed, but we couldn't have 
a consensus about the past emerging from a commission where only one side was represented. Seventeen commissioners, nobody representing the old National Party, nobody representing the IFP. So, of course, they're going to come out with a, with a version of history that represents the truth of one side, not the truth of, of all of the sides involved. All right. Uh, we've got a call online. Uh, I believe it's – is it Khomoto? I believe it's Khomoto. Uh, let's hear what he has to say. Khomoto, uh, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Andrew, um, and the uh, guest, Rusang, also. Um, just wanted to make a quick comment. Um, I think the narrative that's coming from Mr. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's calling him Dave. Um, the narrative that's coming from him is very much similar to that one that's coming from Mr. Declerc, and um, it's a bit of, I think, a misleading narrative. He mentioned a few things that are probably incorrect and not as progressive to mention um, after we're trying to say that we want to move this forward. Service. Um, supply. Um, a lot more people had access to better service. And then you have to go into a discussion before he says, no, it was actually for white people. That is problematic. Policing, it obviously depends on where he's standing. Um, policing for who? There were a whole lot of police in the townships that were doing all sorts of weird things. So when you're saying it was great, who, for who was it great? Less corruption. Apartheid itself was probably the worst of state corruption because you had a whole lot of money that was left for a few people to do whatever they want to do with it at the expense of a number of people. So I think let's just work on our narrative a bit and stop defending this. That's the time when we can move forward. Komoto, you, you, I'm not sure if you, if the thing is on, but um, Komoto, if you, if you listen to what Dave is saying, is there anything that is of value to what uh, Dave is saying that you say, yeah, no, we could, we could take something there. No, no, I think, I think there are a few things. So, Rory, one, one thing that I think we need to be clear about is that there are a lot of people who are still hurting. There are a lot of people who had a crazy ordeal from apartheid. So when we say, and, and so one of the things that I just want to point out is there's emphasis on the amount of work that the National Party did to end apartheid. Let's not mislead. There was a lot of, of pressure on the National Party, both from inside and from outside. There were sanctions that were applied against the state. So let's not make it look like it was this great benevolent act for the greatness of the mm. nation. I understand that there was this work that was done. Um, and when you celebrate people, let's agree that it was good that apartheid ended. That is good. He somehow agrees to that. But let's also understand that it was not as easy a process and it was not as much work that was done from the NP. In fact, if there wasn't as much pressure from the outside, I honestly do not think we would have ended that thing at that time. Khomoso, I love, uh, I love what you're saying. And there's a quote that Victor Dlamini uh, said on Twitter around this time. He said, I suppose the clack played a role in ending apartheid in the same way a hostage taker plays a role in releasing his hostages, uh, which, which I think is accurate. Um, okay. Thank you so much for, for your call and keep listening. Uh, we've got Dave Stewart on the line. He is the, the director executive of the director. executive director of the Nelson, uh, Nelson and uh, the FW de Clack Foundation. Jesus, how's that for a faux pas? Um, Raw, before we go back to him, very quickly, your thoughts on, on this. I mean, 
Yeah, this look. guy is making me angry. I'm not going to lie. So that's why I'm I'm trying to keep quiet. Uh, we shouldn't we shouldn't be angry. The, the 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 brain should control the heart, not the heart controlling the brain. I think uh, it's a view. Let's hear it. Uh, I I obviously have strong disagreements with uh, positioning that. Like I think, look. It is what it is. It happened, but let's not try and then and then and then sugarcoat the the past. But but it's fine. I think the the, the focus of our show is: uh, were there any benefits? Was there anything that we can look back at and say, you know what, this is the one thing we need to hold on to because it worked? I haven't heard that, and I'd really love to hear something that is tangible that that Dave can say to young people, especially who are trying to find their way in South Africa, and saying, how do we move forward? Um, how do we how do we guide? How do we provide that? But something tangible. That really says, guys, don't mess this up. We messed it up. Don't mess it up. All right. We'll be right back right after this. I am the future of South Africa. On my shoulders, I carry the hopes and dreams of generations to come. I'm eager to learn, but even more eager to use my knowledge for good. I know that it's not where I come from, but where I'm going to that really matters. At Sibanya Gold, we believe our youth is worth its weight in gold, which is why we are so committed to developing, nurturing, and grooming our young people into future leaders. Sibanya Gold, we are one. It's back. Jawsy Tough. Cycle through tunnels, head over floating bridges, and disappear into colossal stormwater drains. Why? Because you're a machine and the city is your trail. With two separate routes, 22 and 54 Ks, choose your path and go where no mountain biker has gone before. On 6 September, ride the Hollard Juma. Brought to you by Adreach and Joburg City Parks and Zoo. Challenge accepted. Juma.co.za Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio.com. Do you know of this thing? A disease called fisting. A disease called? Fisting. Fisting. Yeah, they have them actually. <laughs> oh man, them. we can't do this it's now. A we can't do this. Fisting. Okay, okay, Unreal. Uncensored. Unradio. <laughs> oh, the things that go on in this show. Eh? Oh my goodness. It's uh, from last week. If you want to check out the podcast, www.cliffcentral.com, hit on the Causa Show on Wednesdays, 9 to 10, and you'll find a whole bunch of really interesting discussions around the new narrative in South Africa. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here is is try and create a space a platform as you said earlier rory uh for narrative to take place and discussions to be had uh we've been speaking to dave stewart about this question on is there anything that we should take from apartheid and bring into is there anything worthwhile that came out of apartheid Mm. um Let's continue with Dave. He is uh, he is on the line here uh, from Cape Town. Dave, you still with us there? Yes, I am. Yeah. Roy, you wanted to you wanted yeah, to finish th- this up. Well, Dave, I, I think we 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 just wanted to get you know what is this tangible thing? Just uh, again going back to young people, young South Africans who are looking to to your generation to to guide us and to say you know don't make the same mistakes that we made. Um, what mistakes would you would you say this generation should not make, and what are the things that we can take into? I just want to get. I, I know you touched on it, but I just want a tangible sense of these are the things that you, as young people, can do to make sure that you do not make the same mistakes that we made in the past. Yeah, I think there are a number of things. First of all, don't accept uh, at face value what people tell you. 
think, use your own brain to look at the world and make up your own decisions. Don't allow people to corral you into a situation where you regard people in terms of racial stereotypes. Look at people as individuals, regardless of their race. Remember what Nelson Mandela said, that in this country, never and never and never again must we have a situation where one group dominates another group. Uh, think about the values in our Constitution, in Section uh, 1 of the Constitution. Learn them by heart, because that's what our new country is about. Uh, Dave, do, what do we do then about the inequality? So so I get the sense that you're implying that uh, we, we are headed towards a, a situation where one group dominates another, and, and if I'm wrong, please please correct me. Um, but w- what do you say to somebody who's saying, you know what, uh, this inequality doesn't work for me, uh, and to for you to then say to me that I shouldn't look at color when the inequality is along racial lines just doesn't make sense. How do we How do we address that? Our biggest failure as a new society based on equality has been our complete inability to move away from inequality. But the idea that you can achieve this by uh, by attacking this group or undermining that group is not true. You combat inequality by providing people with the tools they need to improve their lives, by providing them with decent education by providing them with jobs, by ensuring that you have an economy that is growing rapidly and that will include everybody. You're not going to promote equality by bringing down those who who have something at the moment. It's also, again, important to move away from racial stereotypes. A third of white South Africans are not rich. They're poor. Uh, We have, uh, in the white community, there is a high degree of inequality. You can't just label everybody who's white as being rich and privileged. They're not. What we need to do is that all privileged people, uh, whether they're black, white, colored, or Indian, should be doing everything that they can to improve uh, the situation of all South Africans by their contribution to the economy and by their contribution to society. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on Cliff Central. I think you've given us an, an interesting insight. I definitely do not agree with a lot of the points that you've said, but you have made some interesting ones. Uh, thank you for, for joining us. And if you missed what Dave Stewart had to say, you can always click on the podcast. Thanks very much. We must keep up the discussion because these are important issues. Absolutely. Dave Stewart uh, from Cape Town. I'm sorry, Rory. You, you're very good with fire in the belly and ice in the in the heart. I'm just all fire at the moment. Like, this guy... <laughs> talk, 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 talk to me Talk to me How are you feeling This is the problem mm-hmm. When guys like this Come on you see mm-hmm. Because this guy Gives white people A bad name Tell me He's talking about A third of white people Aren't privileged Blah blah 80% of black people Aren't privileged What about them mm-hmm. What was his role In that In that In that Complete and utter Inequality status mm-hmm. And yet he, he doesn't want to admit it, just like FW didn't want to admit it in the TRC. Yeah. So hey, these these are these are these are these are 
these are the realities that we're faced with. I think the question then for me and you, Andrew, who are not Dave Stewart, is so what? So what are we going to do about it? So we've heard that. What are we going to do about it? How how do we how do we live differently or or, or promote anything that's different from what Dave is saying? I think we've got to we've got to look. I don't have the answer. That's the that's the first thing. <laughs> but if I had to take a stab, mm. my suggestion would be we need to understand our country a little bit more. We need mm. to get into the discussions and and examples of other people and the way they live. But in because order to do that, then we need to be willing to accept that we are going to get lambasted sometimes when we do come in the wrong angle. So have you changed your view from the beginning? Have I changed my view from whether I should apologize or yeah. not? There's Dave Stewart. He's not apologizing. <laughs> and he's the problem. And you want him to apologize. I want... You want him to apologize like you. I want all white people not only to apologize because apologies can get you nowhere. Naspers apologize, so what? What I want us to do as South Africans and white people have a big role to play in this is to figure out together how we take this forward. The answer to our question, I think, is categorically no. No. There were no benefits to apartheid. There were no benefits to apartheid no. because it just was a completely and utterly crazy, stupid, retarded system. And to assume that there were benefits to apartheid assumes that black people being free would not have led us to that place where we are today. So, so people tend to say, yeah, but we've got great infrastructure, the best in the continent and so on. What makes you think that we were never going to get here? If if there were if it was not apartheid, well, that's a very Western narrative, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not it's only about South Africa; it's about Africa as well, isn't it? Yeah, and 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 who says so? So this idea that the way that we're living is the ideal way to live, we also need to confront that. What makes you think that that generation of black people did not like the way they were living? Now you come in, you look from outside, you look at it, and you say, "Heathens, oh, no, my way is Heathens. better." I think I think that that needs to be corrected. However. And and I need to say this carefully. Things like the education system and so on. We need to look and say, you know, the same way we took over buildings. And I think it was actually smart, honestly. And that's that's a sign of just smartness. To say, no, no, get out. Get out of my house. Get out. But wait, leave leave everything you like <laughs> leave. Put put that down. Put that no 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 leave leave. Why are you taking the biscuits with you? We yeah, got those. Exactly. <laughs> no, leave. That's smart. That's smart. So how do we leverage some of these assets for the better of society? But we should never ever allow ourselves to ever, ever believe that there were any benefits to apartheid and, and that apartheid with without apartheid we would have been we would not be where we are. I think that if you allow people to be free and to be to 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 if you allow for self determination, people arrive at the place where they want to be. Mm. And the fact that we not where a system tells you to be, not where a system and not where somebody else tells you we need to be. So, I definitely disagree with the notion that apartheid things were better in apartheid. They were not, and we need to correct that. And there was nothing. There was zero. That was (laughs) worth it. There you go. We have it. We have our answer. Uh, thank you so much uh, to all our listeners uh, for joining us in the debate before and throughout this show. It has been really interesting. If you want to catch up on what was said uh, by Dave Stewart and some others who joined us on the show, uh, please hit up the, the podcast, www.cliffcentral.com. Hit on cons on Wednesdays. And uh, we will be coming at you again 
with a new narrative that needs to be discussed. No apologies. No apologies. Not because we want to be controversial, but because no one else is speaking about these things. Exactly. And it is time, ladies and gentlemen. It is time that we discuss these things for the better of a positive new South Africa. Definitely. Change the world, everybody. Have yourself a lovely day. Ciao, ciao. This is CliffCentral.com.